Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me through the magic of the internet, as usual, is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? It is unseasonably warm, and I'm sweating a little. I turned on the AC for the first time this year. Mm, We haven't switched our air filters yet, so we have to do that before we can turn on the AC. Which will probably be just in time for it to be like 50 next week because we live, the mid-Atlantic region is a nightmare. It's true. Also, the cicadas are coming, so that'll be good too. It's really great. Plagues. <laughs> what are we talking <sighs> about today? Today, we are continuing on our on our road of, of unexpected things that this podcast will talk about. And we are going to dig into... Well, in part, the new Netflix series called The Irregulars that just dropped. And it's a sort of, I don't even know how to explain The Irregulars, but it's Sherlock Holmes adjacent because in the Arthur Conan Doyle, story, Arthur Conan Doyle stories, you know, Holmes and Watson kind of have this little gang of street urchins who like get them information and, and help them out with cases, which seems to me to really violate child labor laws, but it's fine. Um and this show is basically like the irregulars of the title are pretty much supposed to be stand-ins for the Baker Street Irregulars. And it it brings in Holmes and Watson that way. And so in a similar vein, we are going to bring in other Holmes and Watson adaptations of late. I promise we will not talk about Sherlock since we did a whole episode on that. Yeah. Um, the thing about the Baker Street Irregulars is that they're actually like this super minor set of characters, like super minor set of characters. They appear in like all of three home stories. They appear actually in the very first one in A Study in Scarlet. And then they appear in The Sign of Four. And then they appear in like one of the short stories. And that's it. Like they're, re- they're, they're really sort of dropped as like this. Uh, they're, they're a cute idea, but they don't fit into a lot of the short stories. And so like they don't get used very much. And the thing is about the Irregulars, the thing that struck me is that, um, you know, I, I'd had some friends who'd been talking about, you know, what what kind of things they'd like to see in television. And one of them was talking about how they really wanted like period piece genre shows like give me a mystery story set in ancient Egypt. Right. I like, mean, I would watch that show. That's how you get people like me to watch that, because I don't care about the mystery. But I watched the crap out of a show about ancient Egypt. Right. Like give, give you know, take take CSI and like, you know, put it in and put it like in Mesopotamia. You know, that those kinds of those kinds of ideas. And I was just and and then I started watching the regulars and I was like, hey, I got one for you. Um, <laughs> what, what, how about supernatural horror in Victorian England? I mean, it does. It does kind of make a certain amount of sense because, right. you know, it's a time period that's obsessed with death and what happens after you die and are there ghosts and seances and this was slightly well I guess this would be roughly the same as like the rise of kind of like spiritualism and I don't mean like just people believing in religion I mean specifically spiritualism of people holding seances and trying to talk to their dead relatives was a big thing in America in the early 20th century so yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I also was rather forcibly reminded of something else that I'd watched on Netflix. Um, I, I don't know if our of our listeners are are um, familiar with 
the 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 Cloverfield series. But basically, the Cloverfield there was a there was a movie called Cloverfield, and then Netflix had a couple of movies that had absolutely nothing to do with this franchise whatsoever. And they were like, well, these movies are kind of great, but nobody's going to watch them. So why don't we make them Cloverfield movies, and then people will tune in because it's part of a franchise they know. And that's very much what I feel like um, might have happened here. You have this great show about like a genre piece of teen detectives in Victorian England. Why don't we put Sherlock Holmes in it and call them the Irregulars? And everyone will tune in because they all love Sherlock Holmes. Now, I don't actually know if that's what happened, but it definitely some it definitely feels that way at times. Um, it also sort of feels like someone looked at Enola Holmes, which came out um, back in September. Um, that was actually a movie that Netflix didn't make. They actually just picked it up because it was supposed to go into theaters and things weren't going to theaters. So it got sold to them for streaming. And Enola Holmes stars Millie Bobby Brown, who uh, Netflix fans will know as the star of Stranger Things. And I feel like someone looked at Enola Holmes and went, Sherlock Holmes, Stranger Things, and Netflix got so excited they just started throwing money at them. Um, I mean, that is very much the vibe that the show has. Yeah, I will say I liked the Irregulars. I I thought much more than I thought I would for a couple of reasons. I mean, basically, this is sort of how do I explain this show? The show is partially like a case of the week kind of series, Mm -hmm. but there are also monsters, and there's an overarching kind of larger plot involving like a rip in reality that the kids have to close and and it's what's causing all these monsters but it's mostly like case of the week style stuff with a bit of sort of longer season mystery in it and i mean it's 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 entertaining i certainly enjoyed my my binge of it it's not particularly deep i do really love it for one thing um that it has several really good female characters which is not always typical of a Holmes adaptation or Holmes adjacent anything and also because Sherlock Holmes is actually the worst part of the show um <laughs> um I actually have to say that that was part of what I loved about this too um so the 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 Sherlock Holmes being the worst part of the show um one of the things about Sherlock Holmes is that we basically I don't I don't know if Sir Arthur Conan Doyle when he created this character understood that he was basically revolutionizing like detective storytelling for like the next 150 years. I mean, I think we do know that he pretty much hated Sherlock Holmes by the end of his life. So take that as the take that as a warning. Um, and and and. Honestly, like the fact that Sherlock Holmes has become this massive thing in our culture is also like a, an accident of fate that um, copyright law basically suddenly froze in 1999 and for 20 years nothing entered the public domain. But Sherlock Holmes was one of those that had already done so. So it was available and recognizable and popular enough that a lot of people started using it because they just things weren't being things weren't being added to the canon for them to, to work with. So we got a lot. We, we have the I mean, there's the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes movies, which are like these weird blockbuster action films that are almost sort of marvely in a way, but also Victorian, but also not and also weird. And like and it's Robert Downey Jr. Um, so, yeah, like it's just it, it, it's a it's a strange mashup of American blockbuster that labeled itself Sherlock Holmes and had some fun with the costumes. Um, you know, we have, of course, you know, as we talked about um, for the 10th anniversary, the Sherlock series with Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, and there we have this Enola Holmes show, which uh, the no, Enola Holmes movie, excuse me, which 
is based on a set of books that were literally that are in the same way sort of Sherlock adjacent like they literally make up a character a 16 year old younger sister of Sherlock and they're like basically middle grade fiction for like eighth graders um, to basically put them into the at, sort of give them the Sherlock Holmes stories but like via a female character and like written for kids um, and that's you know I I, I, I think that like we, we so we've had this big like sort of wave of Sherlock stuff simply because it was there and available and people recognize it and this is very much in that same vein I feel like Enola Holmes did a better job with uh with confronting the misogyny of Sherlock head-on I mean one of the things we talked about a little bit when we talked about Sherlock last fall was that you know this is very misogynist this is a very misogynistic character and that the the uh the stories are you know women basically don't exist and if they do they exist in this very sort of weird sort of you know confrontational way and you know Enola Holmes dealt with it by being I'm a 16 year old girl and you're ignoring me screw you I'm gonna go solve mysteries and make you feel like an idiot here we have women who we we, we have a uh, uh, Thaddea Graham is the lead who plays B the lead of the irregulars and Darcy Shaw is her sister Jessie who is sort of like the she's the one she's the one with the the the, the spiritual ability to to be able to enter people's dreams and memories and stuff. Yeah, they made up a word for this. It's obsissimus. Is that actually a made up word? I meant to look it I up. I don't know. I'm... It sounds like a made up word. I'm going <laughs> to Google it while you talk. Um. So, yeah, like in these this this show doesn't confront it in the same way. Like Enola Holmes, definitely like the character of Enola is, you know, confronting her brothers, Mycroft and Sherlock and saying, no, girls can do it, too. Whereas here, no, girls are just doing it and everybody just sort of accepts it. On some level, I kind of really like that. It's kind of, I guess, no, it doesn't. You're you're absolutely right. It doesn't often address sort of the ingrained misogyny of, of Holmes or the time period head on. But I think by letting B and Jesse be the people who drive the narrative so much and who do some of the big things in the narrative, it is sort of like showing instead of telling yes. if you will oh no i would absolutely agree and you know in the same uh i also want to bring up bridgerton you know this is a diverse london that does not um that does not explain itself does not apologize simply is and um i i feel like in both these cases this is um when we talked about bridgerton i talked about like you know the diversity it's not just enough to be diverse anymore now you have to like um, that it's not true diversity unless those people are simply accepted as they are that, that when they have to like confront bigotry and basically like explain themselves and defend their humanity you're still telling them they're somehow lesser and so like I think this show does a lot more to confront classism than it yeah. does sexism also by the way I did look up ipsissimus it is a real word huh. um, it is latin but according to Wikipedia, it says it's quite hard to translate directly from Latin to English, but is essentially the superlative version of self, like your most selfness or something, uh, so, which is not, not a psychic, not a psychic, which is ba basically they use the word to like describe her ESP is what it is, how the show uses it. Um, I I also, as, as I said, I also really like the fact that Sherlock was the worst part of the show. Like, I love the fact that Watson is basically like. First of all, like Watson is basically in love with Holmes and has basically I mean, become John his... Locke is canon. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. And that he basically has been taking care of this 
completely useless addict for years and basically covering for him being a completely useless addict for years. And I also really liked when we actually finally meet Sherlock Holmes and uh, and Graham's character B basically like has to deal with him. Like they don't mince what it is to live with someone who is an absolute mm. addict. Like they, they show you how ugly addicts can be and how utterly self-centered they are and how they do not care about like having having a parent or having a a, 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 a a authority figure who is supposed to basically take care of you and is an addict is basically like they basically get to the they basically hit the reality of what that is um and I, I i thought that was pretty incredible because one of the things we because of the way that we sort of romance romanticize sherlock his mm, yeah. his his heroin use, his cocaine use, is just it's, sort of swept under the rug as sort and of it's like sort of just like a nice eccentricity that he is like a rich dude that indulges in, and he just kind of does it on the side, and it doesn't impact his life really in any way except make him even smarter. Yeah. But in this, it's like really ugly and disgusting. Like this Sherlock, the whole time, the first couple of episodes that he he doesn't appear in the show right away, but he he does sort of in the middle of it and. Every episode he was in for the first handful that he appeared in, I was just like, he just looks like Walmart Jack Sparrow. Like, it's <laughs> truly just, like, gross. Like, yeah. he just physically looks gross. His appearance is, like, ratted and dirty. He he looks just disgusting. Not at all, like, the sort of of upper class ideal that you that you tend to think of when you think of Sherlock Holmes. Like he looks like he crawled out of a drain. Yeah. And um for the record he's played by uh Henry Lloyd Hughes which uh uh hardcore Brit British uh TV watchers will remember from The Inbetweeners. Um but PBS people will probably recognize him more from Les Mis, um the the recent Les Mis uh miniseries or maybe Indian Summers. Um he was also in Killing Eve season 2. So like he's he he had uh, there's sort of a level where the show cast the biggest actor as Sherlock like he has definitely like the longest resume of anybody on this show and it's almost sort of a bait and switch like you assume simply because it's this you know he has so many more credits than everybody else that he's going to be the lead and he's not he's very much a side character he's he's a character that basically impacts B and Jesse but he's never actually like the lead in that way like he's much more of a force that they have to deal with than a than than a leading character, um, which you know in a lot of these in a lot of these stories that's usually like a female character who's sort of like you know the the manic pixie dream girl who sort of comes in and like affects the he- hero and he has to sort of deal with her. I felt like very much that Sherlock was sort of slotted into that role, which is another reason why I feel like this was a show that might not have been Sherlock Holmes at the beginning. But hey, if you make that character Sherlock Holmes. Um, people will tune in anyway because honestly like i had this thought several times while i was watching is i actually like the version of the show that he's not in like i actually really like it as just this sort of band of the sort of found family of misfits who who have to you know take weird cases to have money to eat and survive and stay together because they're the they're the family that they've chosen since their real families are pretty crappy and i really I liked that. I liked that version of the show when it got towards the end. It gets really. There's one episode in particular that I kind of had to fast forward through pieces because it's very tightly intertwined with like Holmes and his backstory. And 
it isn't the reason I tuned into the show and it's not the part of it that I cared about. I would have been fine if this whole show was just this little gang of teens solving crimes. Honestly, what's really what's amazing about that, though, the 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 Holmes backstory episode is that it's not even like actually Holmes's backstory. Like none of the none of Holmes's cases have anything to do with what we see here. None of it. Right. This isn't like I mean, Sherlock actually took like, you know, a study in Scarlet and made it a study in pink. Right. Like we could go through the Sherlock episodes and be like, this is partly taken from this short story and partly taken from this short story. You can't do that here. None of them. Yeah, nothing, nothing. Um, and even when we give a, get a Sherlock backstory, still really nothing. Like other than him being the clever detective character, he he doesn't have any of Holmes's cases. And I find that really strange because the show took such pains with the Leopold character to make him historically accurate and pull details from his real story. But they couldn't be bothered to do that with Holmes. Um, I have I have issues about the inclusion of the Leo character anyway. Like he's cute and nice and stuff, but I just he's there as one half of the love triangle for B because we cannot we can't have a female lead in a dystopian anything without having two boys who are going to argue over her. Um, thanks, Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just but but it was more of like the suspending your disbelief kind of thing because for the first um because the the Leo character is a prince of England. Granted, he was like eighth in line to the throne or something because he had a lot of prince and princess siblings but um literally he just like and he's supposed to he's supposed to be hemophiliac which the real leo apparently was as annie had to inform me earlier this week but he just like freely wanders out of the palace for for dates and like no one notices he's gone like he doesn't get robbed for his nice clothes. Like he doesn't he doesn't bump his knee on something and bleed to death. Like there's just a lot of suspension of disbelief that this character requires that I'm not here for. And yet at the same time, like they take such pains to make it to like use the real history. Like when he does actually finally get an excuse or why he's disappeared from the palace, he basically goes to stay with his sister Louisa, um, who is actually like she was actually like his closest sibling to to she was the sick she was the sixth kid. Oh, she's played by Scarrett, by the way, from Victoria, which I thought was hysterical. Um, but uh, honestly, like, and, and yes, he actually was mostly locked up in the uh, he he was basically locked up in the palace most of the time as a kid. Um, he was actually really supposed to be like massively brilliant, like pro, like like a prodigy who like basically finished their version of college by the time he was sixteen. Um, like he's a and and at the end when when they basically uh, he at the very end of the show. Um, in order to sort of send him back to the palace, he uh, he makes a deal to free one of the characters who's done who 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 is who is in trouble by agreeing to marry Princess Helena. He actually does. That's actually who he married in real life. Like everything about everything about him is technically true, except for his age, because they've uh, he'd actually be like Holmes's age because Holmes was born in like. I think in the books he was born in like 54 and the real Leopold was born in like 52 or 53. But it, it, honestly, like so much, they, they take such pains to like follow the reality of this character, uh, of the of this real person to build this character. And yet that's like the only thing they really do. It's so weird. Ooh, I mean, there's like multiple, there's multiple points where he gets like injured and I'm like, well, he would be dead. Yes. 
Like he like he jumps at one point, and I'm like, oh my god, he's gonna bleed out. No, he doesn't. Um, like it's it, it's it's almost like the show doesn't actually want to deal with the reality of the character they've made, while also dealing while also sticking very closely to the reality of this character, which I just it's it's. Like so many things in the Irregulars, it's one of the oddities that, like, you just, because it's so enjoyable, like, you sort of overlook it as it's happening, but at the same time, like, it's like, why? I just could like, like, the first time he, like, sleeps over at the Irregulars hovel, I'm just like, no, like, he just doesn't go home for three days? Yeah. Like, and nobody, nobody, what? Right? Like, I don't know. Like, I think the idea is supposed to be that he's, you know, that, 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 that that for all that Victoria is. There's like so many royal heirs that they can just wander freely. (laughs) Yeah. That for all that Victoria is basically like massively clamped down on this son who could die at any moment. Um, in reality, she actually never sees him and has no idea he's not there. And as long as his, as, as long as the guy who's sort of like in charge of him lies to her and said, "Oh no, he's fine. He's in bed." Like she never actually asks questions. And I think that's supposed to be that, like you know, in in this these like these, good enough. Well, also <laughs> like um, I, I keep thinking of the Breakfast Club where the the one the one, Ali Sheedy said they asked Ali Sheedy what her parents do that's abusive and she says they ignore me. And I was sort of like, that's, but I think that's supposed to be that, 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 that for all that the palace takes good uh, care of him and so forth, that they ignore him. And so freedom and maybe is, it's, maybe it's just that, like, like I said before, the show does, does have some interesting, like things to say about class and the way it poor, the way it portrays the regulars as existing outside of the class that say Holmes and Watson inhabit. But they also, I mean, they, and several times, um, one of them, Billy particularly, uh, loves to bring up that he thinks that leo is slumming it but the thing is leo is 100 percent slumming it <laughs> like it's not <laughs> he the the show tries to act like this is some noble thing that he's doing but like he he is really just 100 percent slumming it i'm sure he really does like be and the rest of them and stuff but like at the end of the day he can go back to being a royal and and does. it's like it's like people it's like people who who um it's like performative poverty mm-hmm. where people who are like i'm gonna like do this particular I can, I'm going to join the Peace Corps and do this particular job and like live off of ramen, but their parents are secretly like funding their apartment. It's, it's, I don't know. The whole thing, that whole character was really just like, the character himself, I think, was really likable, like as a person, but all the trappings around him made it really hard for me to like care about him, I guess. Yeah, I, I, the thing is, though, is that, and I think this is the reason that I, I mean, for all of the, it, for all of its flaws, and I will say that The Irregular has quite a few flaws. I genuinely loved this show. It's already been, uh, it's already been renewed for season two, even before it came out. Which oh, um, did, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, um, it, 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 it got. I the, think, I think, given some of the things that happened at the end of the season, I will. I really did like the season. I didn't love it. I enjoyed it though, like it was fun. I think I will genuinely enjoy the second season more because of some of the things that happened that happen at the end that deal with some of my outstanding issues here, which I don't want to actually say they are because I don't know if everybody's seen it all the way yet. Yeah, honestly, like, um, I I also think the cast is really great. Like, part mm. of the reason why I feel like, despite all this show's flaws, that it really worked for me is how great the cast is. Uh, Graham, especially, like, the last thing I saw her in was A Letter for the King, which was a, a Netflix film that starred a or Netflix series that starred um the kid from uh uh uh, uh Armir Wilson the kid from uh, uh his dark materials um 
but she like stole like literally every scene out from under people like every time she turned up on screen she became the main character like she was great and i'm really glad that she has this show and that she's basically been put in a lead position because she's a great actress and i think that she's going to go on to do great things yeah i really loved um the actress who plays jesse for a lot of those same reasons the only thing she's really been in is uh the british show the bay other than that she's basically a newcomer um but she was also like she has like real talent like she's a real find yeah Um, she has real like presence i think in a way that a lot of actresses her age do not yeah because i really like i really bought into her um jesse's the ipsissimus which is their fancy word for like sort of psychic like a real psychic not a charlatan one and she can sort of enter people's minds and and she's sort of tormented by nightmares of monsters and horrible things and she's she really goes on like what i think is probably like the best journey of kind of finding herself of the show because she doesn't like she it's not about like her finding her place amongst her friends or anything like that it's about her sort of accepting that she is accepting who she is and this power that she has and and deciding not to be afraid of it anymore and it's really like it's a great arc for her so i also love the kid that plays spike oh uh um, he, uh Mikkel david um the last I actually was so mad in the very first episode there's a great secret sequence where he tracks down a girl that they're looking for for a case and he does this whole like it's straight i've probably a lot of you have seen ant-man but he does a straight like ant-man style recap of i forget what ant-man's sidekick's name is but he the lewis. hilarious one lewis he does a straight up lewis from ant-man style recap of like all the things he had to do to find this girl and i was so upset when that when that sort of trope never happened again, I was like, that is perfect. Right. It was so good. Right. Like that was such a great thing. Um, uh, uh, Fans might recognize him from Snatch, which is over on Crackle, which has Rupert Grint. Like that's he's also uh, he he actually got his start on Black Mirror back when it was still a, a UK show before it came to Netflix. Oh, we love Black Mirror. Wait, yeah. does it say which episode he was in? Um, Hold on. I, 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 I be- uh, he's in the National Anthem episode. Oh, yeah, that's the episode I always tell people they can skip. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also have to say, I really love, you, you mentioned Billy uh, Jojo Macari, um, who's in sex. Uh, I recognize him from Sex Education, but he's actually been in a couple of other things, too. Um, I think he was in Harlots. Um, I think he might have been Prince Henry in Harlots. I swear I've seen him somewhere else. Um, but uh, anyway, he is also really great. And especially because he's sort of, he's sort of the third leg of the triangle along with Leopold and B like his character is kind of like he, he he's the uh, he's the lower class boy that's in love with her as opposed to the upper class boy that's in love with her and that kind of can be a really hard character to play in these sorts of things and I think he does a really great job with it and I think that he also really does a great job just as sort of like the the brawn of the sh- uh, the brawn of the group um, which can sometimes just be like the bully and he really isn't like he's really like I think he just does a great job with it. Yeah, a part of the re- like all of the kids, and I say kids because I'm an old lady. They're probably like in their twenties, but um, <laughs> probably. But like all of them are really, really good, and they have a really great group chemistry together, which is why I'm actually really looking forward. I was, I figured they would like greenlight a second season, but I'm really looking forward to more of their group and their group dynamics together as opposed to all the other sort of like i don't know if this show felt like it had to include all this holmes drama so it could be like justifiably a sherlock holmes adjacent show but like all of that stuff sucks 
and they should just spend time with the kids. I actually did like Watson. Um, the guy who plays Watson, I, I, I don't know. Did you recognize him from The Witcher? He's uh, Yennefer's boyfriend from The Witcher. Oh, I thought like there are so many people in the show that have a very that will when you watch it have a very like hey it's that guy effect on you. Yeah, when the Hound showed up from Game of Thrones, I was like it's the Hound. <laughs> and it takes me like it's like maybe it's just like the dirty costumes, but it took me a while to figure out like who some of the people are. But um. Where's I go with that? I also I liked Watson too. I liked okay, wait, let me let me rephrase that. I liked um I thought this I thought that actor did a really great job and I really liked the way that the show plays with sort of the trope of Watson in the sense of like this kind of bumbling know nothing sidekick. Who's actually like the he he's the he's the guy who's actually running the show. Yeah. So I really I really like that because I think it's a very different take on the character. I don't really like this Watson that much as a person, although some actions towards the end of the season made me like him more. And I can definitely see him sort of stepping into the mentor role for the kids in the future seasons. But yeah, that's that's a thing I would really like to see more of. And that was a thing that I really wanted more of. And the show didn't give me a lot of it until the very end. And I'm sort of hoping that 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 that's where this is going to go with season two, because I think that would be great. Um, I also feel like I should mention Clark Peters as the linen man. Clark Peters has been in so many things. I let me just put a spoiler warning in here because this is gonna have some spoilers straight to this season or what I'm about to say. So if you haven't watched all the way, hit the skip button for a minute because I just need to say this. I knew the minute that he was the linen man that he was evil. <laughs> like I was like, you do not cast him for this random bit part. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, seriously, like he's been in he 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 was in the wire. He was in Trem. He was in uh, uh Treme is so good. I know nobody watched that, but like it's so amazing. Um, he he's. Like, honestly, like when I sort of like ran through, like I was like, oh, he's been in like everything HBO. This is like his first Netflix thing. Um, And I'm hoping that this is like because Netflix has a tendency to cast the same people over and over and over again. As I I noted, you know, with the kids, especially like Graham is from uh, A Letter for the King. You know, Makari is from uh, Sex Education, etc. Like, I feel like if he if he's gotten into the Netflix, if he's now got getting start getting Netflix contracts and showing up on Netflix on a regular basis, I am for it. Um. (laughs) Yeah, but I was like, he's too good of an actor to just be this random, like, ghost mentor to Jesse. I was like, yep, not surprised. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you that, like, yeah, he clearly was a much larger role from the moment he showed up um, than the show lets on from the beginning. Um, And I was actually really glad. I I really liked the way they handled that, too, um, because I felt like there was a lot of misdirection in the beginning of what kind of character he was, what kind of trope he was supposed to be. And then they totally flip it on its head. And I really liked that, too. Um, as I said, I feel like this this is what we are going to see more of, though, with Sherlock Holmes going forward. Like, I feel like um, that the thing that makes the Irregulars so important to me is that I feel like after we've like, you know, especially because we talked about Sherlock last fall, um, I feel like we're going to get a lot less of those in the future and a lot more of these. And I think that's partly because of how. Holmes as a character is aging in our world that he for a very long time he had aged really well and I feel like in the 21st century the the very white cis male you know kind of worship here is no longer as in as it once was and as we go as we move forward like I would expect much more 
many more projects to be more like the Irregulars or Enola Holmes than I would say see another Jeremy Brett style show or another Benedict Cumberbatch style show. Um, yeah, I agree. Because like at this point, at this point, I mean, at 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 one time we had we had multiple Sherlock things happening with the Robert Downey Jr. movie and the Benedict Cumberbatch show like that and those are both granted they put they take some liberties with various aspects of it but those are both very firmly like home stories where Holmes is the protagonist it's a story about Holmes etc etc and I just don't know how many more of those like the market needs right now <laughs> well you know it, it's sort of like you know we talked we, we touched on this a little bit when we talked about the agatha christie 100th anniversary how like there's this definitive poirot out there and so people who try to step forward and play poirot are basically like basically all of them are being compared to david Suchet, and all of them are coming up short um i feel very much like jeremy brett did that with sherlock and so there's a level where every sherlock that comes that, that, that has come since knows that that's been done knows they can't compete and has to find something different mm-hmm. and that sort of exp- if you if you think about it that way that sort of explains your robert downey jr version of him because he's not you know it, it, it's it's your hollywood blockbuster version of sherlock and it very much like shies away from trying to be a true sherlock in that way because it just simply wouldn't be able to compete in that manner um and that Benedict Cumberbatch doing this very, you know, this very modern Sherlock, you know, espe- especially in the one episode where they do a period piece Sherlock, like you could feel how much this would never have measured up had they done it that way from the beginning. And I, f- I feel like as we move forward that we're going to get more of the Enola Holmes, the more of the regulars kind of thing, simply because they're... The, the the canon version has been done and so we have to do something different and that even even yeah. i mean the, the 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 jeremy bretts are like what 40 years old at this point like i grew up on them i loved them so much when i was a kid um but even even so i don't think i could see anyone stepping forward and being able to beat that even now today you know um i'm very i'm very fond of benedict cumberbatch's show oh, yes um but I also feel like that's a very definitive kind of modern Sherlock, too. So again, like it basically it's closed that lane. What I would be really interested to see, and I know that this is a, a lane that's particularly popular in publishing right now. There's a whole series of, of books based on this where like Sherlock is a woman. And I call them the Lady Sherlock books in my head. I don't know if that's actually like what the series is called. But I bet if you Google Lady Sherlock, you will find them. And it's very, like, I think that kind of thing might be more likely something where we actually start to confront the fact that there is not a lot of space for for women in this particular corner of literary canon. And whether that's through something like the Lady Sherlock books, who when I stop talking, I will actually Google what they are called. But, um, or, or something that focuses on Irene or or Mary Watson or or more stuff where we make up like siblings or daughters or female relatives of Sherlock to sort of play in the same space, but in a very different way than the traditional yeah. way that we're used to seeing these stories. Like, I feel like Miss Scarlet is trying to open up that lane and trying to find a place in that lane, um, but it all... It, 
it's not trying to ride Sherlock's coattails either. Whereas like, you know, honestly, like it it really is its own thing and it's not apologizing for it. And it's not trying to tie itself to something we'll recognize in order to get us to watch, which I appreciate a lot. Um, It is literally called the Lady Sherlock series. I was correct. (laughs) Um, It is by uh, Sherry Thomas. And there are at it looks like at least three, possibly more books in the series. They're from Penguin Random House. They are about Charlotte Holmes, which I would watch that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Netflix decided to pick that up if they actually listen to our podcast. Um, not that actually. I mean, Netflix. I wish Netflix listened to our podcast. Seriously, hire me. <laughs> I've got ideas. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, honestly, I, I, I think that, that, I think that's actually very important for Sherlock fans to sort of realize, um, is that this is, that this is much more what we should expect going forward. I'm really curious. I know we're doing this basically right when The Irregulars comes out. So like, unlike like some of our Netflix pieces, like, like when we did Bridgerton, like it'd been out for five weeks. We knew it was a hit, right? Like, I feel like this one um netflix clearly thinks it's going to be a hit netflix no longer does the um it, there was a time when netflix like literally greenlit second seasons for like every single show it did because it, that was part of its like brand um and now that's incredibly rare like now it makes everything like even the witcher had to wait like a month no i'm sorry even bridgerton had to wait like a month but like something like the witcher got um a second season a month before it arrived um because they knew it was going to be popular and this got a second season a month before it arrived which i think is really telling them how they think this is going to do um so yeah i'm 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 very curious how sherlock holmes fans are going to react to this and I, I i feel like you know as i said i think there's a real audience for you know genre shows done as period pieces and i feel like this fills a hole in a in it in 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 something that television hasn't done enough of yet i agree um, we all know that period dramas are like extremely my lane. And I feel like in order for the genre to, to, to stay evolving and to stay fresh, it needs to experiment in other sort of lanes than just like Edwardian Regency pieces, because it does it, it as a genre, there's a lot of interest, like it, it can have a lot of interesting things to say. And I think that this is, I don't know that the irregulars is the avatar of like genre period pieces having something to say, but it's a fun show and it does show that there's an audience for this kind of stuff. And who knows? Like, I don't, I don't like, I wouldn't be like, this is the best show I've seen this year, but it is a perfectly serviceable diversion that, will entertain you and that's kind of all sometimes things need to be yeah and you know especially in in our pandemic life when you know tv is basically like our big our big thing that brings us together like shows like this are totally the kind of thing that 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 can become a massive hit simply because everybody watches it together and everybody's tweeting about it together um although it is like binge all at once so it's harder to all tweet about it together but still um is that is is that the end of our show? I think it so. Might be. It might be. Yeah. Um, look at us not running an hour and ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> Go um, us! I know, right? Send us gold stars in the mail, folks. Not the mail. Email them to us because the mail takes a month and a half now. Mark so. is going to be so proud. <laughs> I know. Um. Anyway, Annie, 
tell the people where they can find you on the internet. Uh, you can find me at Annie Bundle on Twitter. You can find me at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. You can find pictures of my cats at Annie Bundle on Instagram. Uh, let's see. I am a staff writer at Elite Daily. Um, I am a regular contributor to televisions.org and I also freelance around the web. So uh, yeah, basically just follow me on Twitter because I tweet retweet all of my bylines and it's just the fastest way to know what I've written this week. I am Lacey MB on Twitter. That is L-A-C-Y-M-B. And I also write a lot here at Televisions. But you can find me elsewhere around the entertainment web because I always tweet my bylines. Um, Desperate for friends, retweets, and likes. Come hang out with me. If you just want my cat pictures, which they are turning eight months old pretty soon, you can follow the boys on Baker and Hammer on Insta. The site and the pod are also available on social media. We are Telly underscore Visions on Twitter and Televisions blog, all one word, on Facebook. If you have thoughts, comments, questions, subjects you would like us to talk about, literally just want to say hi, shoot us an email at televisions at weta.org. The podcast and the site it is attached to are brought to you by WETA. If you like what we do, visit televisions.org and click on the donate button up top to help us keep doing it. And you get to support public media at the same time. So win-win for everyone. Uh, yeah, that's our show this week. Not clocking in at like 60 minutes. Pretty great. It is springtime in this endless year. And I hope everybody is still wearing your masks, staying safe, hand sanitizing, making vaccine appointments for you and your loved ones. The light at the end of the tunnel is there. It is not a train. Let us all join hands and work to join hands metaphorically, hand sanitizer, remember, and work towards getting us out of this mess. We are excited to, I don't know, I haven't seen Annie in person in like a year, so I'm pretty much looking forward to when I can do that again, but uh, still going to be a while. So stay safe. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.